2 James chapter 3. James chapter 3. Everyone there? James chapter 3? <laughs> <laughs> All right. We <laughs> we'll, we'll wait. We're waiting. <laughs> He's still turning. <laughs> Verse 13 is where we'll pick up for today. And the topic for this morning title is, Am I a Wise Christian? Couldn't figure out how to do a how-to with that, but <laughs> so <laughs> I could. Well, I could have did how to know if I'm right. <laughs> just like, right. Am I a wise Christian? Am there you go. Wise Christian? Verse thirteen. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show by good conduct that his works are done in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your heart. Do not boast and lie against the truth. This wisdom does not descend from above, but is earthly, sensual, demonic. For where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. Now, the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Father, we thank you again for allowing us another opportunity to come into your presence. We thank you that as we have been making our way through the book of James, James has been giving us various tests. And today he gives us the test of wisdom. I pray, Lord, that you would help us as we have been praying throughout the uh, first part of the book that you would Help us to see ourselves, open our eyes, help us to see where we are through these various tests so that we can can find out the areas that we are, are failing or weak in, and then that we could actually not just be hearers of the word, but doers, uh, doers who are applying what James is saying so that we can grow to spiritual maturity in our faith. We thank you now for all these many blessings. We thank you for your word. I pray, Lord, that you would speak uh, to me and through me. And I pray that you would use me uh, to touch the hearts and minds of your people with your word. We thank you now in Jesus name. Amen. 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 Really quickly, before I jump into the message, I want you to look at uh, the page I gave you that says big idea. Right. I want you to see broadly what I'm summarizing as James's point here. I did it two separate ways. The big idea is the one who is truly wise demonstrates true wisdom through a gentle spirit as opposed to one who possesses false wisdom demonstrated through jealousy and selfish ambition, right? Again, you can see the message statement, right? To put this a different way, 
the origin of one's wisdom, right, whether that wisdom is from above or if it's from the world, the flesh, and the devil, okay, the origin of one's wisdom is demonstrated, is determined, I'm sorry, by the fruit that wisdom produces, right, whether we're referring to confusion and evil or peace and righteousness, right. So you have those statements. This is broadly what I believe James is trying to teach us. What is true wisdom and who is truly wise? And the way that we will know who uh, uh, is truly wise is based on how that person lives their lives. Now, before we look at some of these things, I'm going to try to be brief with this message today. Uh, we have to ask ourselves, what is wisdom? What is wisdom? And many people think uh, wisdom is a lot of different things, right? But most of what we think wisdom is is just knowledge or information. And that is not the biblical understanding of wisdom, nor is it the ancient philosophical viewpoint on wisdom. Wisdom is not simply information. Wisdom is the ability to properly and effectively apply truth to everyday life situations. Wisdom is not just knowing or having information. Wisdom is the ability to properly and effectively apply truth to everyday life situations. Now, when we talk about wisdom from the Jewish perspective, right, wisdom is simply the skill in living righteously. It's knowing how to live righteously. I want us to look at a, just a couple of passages of scripture from the Old Testament. First, I want us to look at Proverbs chapter 4, verse 7. This statement is given in scripture several times. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 7. talking about the importance of acquiring wisdom that is skill for living if you remember when we talked before earlier in the book of James I said that sometimes when we're going through problems or when we're going through circumstances we believe that what we need is the, a solution to our problem. That if we're having a financial challenge, we need more money, okay? And oftentimes, that is not the case. What we really need when we're going through something is wisdom. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 7 reads, Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. And in all you're getting, get wisdom understanding wisdom right the skill in living righteously knowing how to apply information to every circumstance of life wisdom is the principal thing so 
get wisdom. And in all you're getting, get understanding. I want you to turn to the book of Job. Two books to your left. Job chapter 28. Job 28. I want us to look at just two verses in chapter 28 of Job. Verse 12. Job chapter 28, verse 12. It reads, But where can wisdom be found? And where is the place of understanding? Okay. Where can wisdom be found? And where is the place of understanding? So if, if wisdom is having skill to live righteously, knowing how to apply information to every single circumstance of life, where can we find this wisdom? Okay. Now, James tells us different places we can find this wisdom. We can find it from above or we can find it here on earth. right? But Job says in verse 28 he says behold the fear of the lord that is wisdom and to depart from evil is understanding behold the fear of the lord that is wisdom and to depart from evil is understanding so Job is trying to tell us if we put these two verses together in verse 12, he asks, well, where can we find wisdom and understanding? And he tells us in verse 28 that we find wisdom, this skill for righteous living, the ability to apply knowledge effectively to every life situation. We find that in fearing God. This is interesting. I'm not going to take the time out today to go through uh, this phrase, the fear of the Lord. Uh, but sometimes we think that the fear of the Lord is just talking about reverence or awe for God. Right? And that is true. We should have deep reverential respect for God. Um, but we should also be afraid of him. Okay. Right? As Jesus says, don't fear the one who can kill the body. Fear the one that after the body is dead, he can cast your soul into hell. Now, uh, th the great thing is that the one that we should be afraid of is our loving father. And therefore, uh, the fear is tamed, <laughs> but he cannot be controlled. Right? The fear of the Lord, if you boil it all down, is simply trusting God. Trusting in him, resting in him, loving him, fearing him, having reverential respect and awe for him. That is wisdom. That's where wisdom can be found, in trusting God in every circumstance. And understanding can be found in departing from evil. Is everyone with me? James is trying to tell us that the kind of person, uh, the kind of wisdom a person possesses, whether it is godly wisdom or whether it is earthly wisdom, will be revealed 
by the kind of life this person lives. Now, everyone thinks that they are wise. No one, if you ask them, uh, will at least admit to believing that uh, they don't know how to live life. Now, when we're in the midst of circumstances, sometimes like, I don't know what to do. But for the most part, right, we all think that we pretty much have this thing called life down. We think that after we've hit a certain age, a certain level in our career, certain situations in life, we pretty much have this thing on cruise control. We all believe that we are wise, that we know how to effectively live life. However, James tells us here that those who are wise must prove it, and the way that we prove our wisdom is in how we live. The first thing you see on my outline for verse 13 says, the one who is truly wise demonstrates that wisdom through Good conduct done in a spirit of gentleness. So the person who is truly wise, they demonstrate that wisdom through good conduct done in a spirit of gentleness. Again, if you read the verse, it just says, let him who let him show by good conduct that his works are done in the meekness of of wisdom. Now let me ask you a question. How many people, how many Christians do we know that uh, believe because they have certain amounts of knowledge of God and the Bible, they believe they are wise and yet they are not meek and gentle? I mean, uh, we, I mean like, that's just about everybody, right? <laughs> right? I'll put my hand up on that as well. Right? James says that if you are really wise, you will become a gentle person. All of your deeds, all of your work, all of your conduct will be characterized by gentleness. Now, why is it that a person who is truly wise, wisdom that comes from God, why are they gentle, tender? Why are they gracious people? The answer is because this is the character of God being worked out in their lives. I'm not going to take you to um, all of these passages of scriptures. You know, uh, Numbers chapter 12, verse 3 talks about Moses. It says that Moses was the most gentle or humble man on the face of the earth, right? Because he was the friend of God. Um, you already know from Galatians chapter 5, verse 23, the fruit of the Spirit, right? One of the fruits of the Spirit is what? Gentleness. Right. The fruit of the spirit is the character of the Holy Spirit being worked out in our lives as we walk with him. I want you to turn to Matthew. Matthew. Chapter five. 
Matthew chapter 5. So we know that gentleness is the character of God, it's the character of the Holy Spirit. Look at Matthew chapter 5. We see Jesus here in his Beatitudes. He says in verse 5 of Matthew 5, read it. Blessed are the meek. Same word for the gentle. Blessed are the gentle, the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. I want you to look at Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11. Verse 28, Jesus says, Come to me. All you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Why? For I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Fearing God, reverencing God, honoring God, trusting God is where wisdom is found. When you possess this wisdom, you will be able to apply what you know effectively to every circumstance of life. And in fearing God, in developing wisdom, you will have the character of God infused into your life. And you will become gentle just like the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. Jesus even says that it is those who are gentle, those who are meek, that will inherit the earth. Now, I know that this is difficult because all of us at some point recognize, hey, I'm not a gentle person, <laughs> right? I'm, I'm, I'm not gentle. I'm not tender. I lack graciousness. Like, th th this is not me, okay? And so, again, we come back to what James is trying to tell us, okay? James is teaching us how to apply faith in every area of life. James is literally in every section that we have covered, every section of his book, he is giving us tests of genuine faith. And he's showing how this faith is supposed to be applied and worked out in every area of our lives. So here, I guess, as I have stated, the topic um, for today is, am I a wise Christian? Now, of course, as I said, everyone will answer yes to that. But then if we ask a, a follow-up question, right, am I a gentle Christian? <laughs> now, that's where the rubber meets the road. 
those who are truly wise, James is trying to tell us, if we look back the outline, are those whose conducts, their work, their fruit is characterized by gentleness because they're getting closer and closer to the heart of God and therefore the character of God is rubbing off on them. Everyone see that? Now, all of us can uh, look at ourselves a scale of one to ten. Right? Just do it in your head. Right? And and recognize what our level of wisdom is. Okay? Right? And trust me, all of us have room to grow. (laughs) from the grow. <laughs> the second thing that James tells us here in ver- is found in verse 14. He tells us of the one who is truly wise. But then he goes on to talk about in verse 14 about those who possess false wisdom. He doesn't say that these people are not wise, although in a sense that is true because they aren't wise uh, in the sense of fearing God. But he says that there are some who possess a false wisdom. Verse 14 reads, But if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your heart, do not boast or and lie against the truth. On my notes, verse um, uh, 14 can be summed up as this. The one who possesses false wisdom has bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in his or her heart and is arrogant and lies against the truth. Now, the truth here uh, in the specific context can be wisdom, right? You're rejecting wisdom. Uh, But the way James uses the term the truth uh, in, in other passages of the book of James uh, specifically refers to the gospel, So those who have a false wisdom are characterized by jealousy and selfish ambition. And these people are arrogant and ultimately they reject God's wisdom and the gospel. Does everyone see that? So the question becomes, what is your motivation Why do you do what you do? Why do you make the choices that you make? Of all of the reasons that James could give as a motivation for someone who possesses false wisdom, he gives two. Number one, they are motivated by jealousy. And number two, they are motivated by selfish ambition. Jealousy is, is easy. We all know what jealousy is, correct? Right. It is desiring what someone else possesses. But selfish ambition, I believe, is the root cause of jealousy. The idea that we want to promote ourselves or elevate ourselves, the idea that we want to make sure that if no one else get what th- gets what they want, I get what I want. This is the motivation for those who possess false wisdom. Now, I want you to look at what Paul says about selfish ambition, how we as Christians are supposed to handle self-ambition in our own lives. Turn with me quickly to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2, verse 
Philippians chapter 2. The foundation of false wisdom, as James sees it, is jealousy and selfish ambition. Selfish ambition should not be a characteristic of someone who is a Christian, someone who follows Christ. We should not be seeking to promote ourselves, to elevate ourselves at the expense of other people. Is everyone there? Philippians chapter 2. We should all know this passage of Scripture, right? Especially once we get down to verse 5 through 11, we won't read that today. We all know, let this mind be in, in you that was also in Christ Jesus, okay? But listen to what Paul says prior to that, prior to using Jesus as an example of this type of humility. He says, verse 1, Therefore, if there is any comfort in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy by being what? Like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each one esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interest, but also for the interest of others. And then he goes on to say, let this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus. So Paul is addressing here conflicts in the church. And he says that the reason that there is conflicts in the church is because we are not like-minded. We are not of one accord. Be the reason that we are not of one accord is because some of us are selfishly ambitious. We want what we want. We want our title for ourselves. We want positions. We want our own way. But he said that shouldn't be the characteristics of us as Christians. We need to be lowly of mind. We need humility of mind. And we need to make sure that we put the interest of someone else above ours. Because that's what Christ did. Being in the form of God, he humbled himself, took on humanity, and put our needs first. Does everyone see that? You can turn back to James. James says that this selfish ambition is at the root of those who have false wisdom. They believe that they are wise, but they truly are not wise in the sense of God's wisdom. And he says that those people who are motivated by jealousy and selfish ambition in their hearts, they are arrogant. That's what the word boast means. They are arrogant and they reject wisdom and ultimately the gospel. Now, he gives us three things here where I believe that he talks about the origin of this wisdom. 
Okay. So he says such wisdom does not originate with God. It does not come from above. Wisdom that's characterized by jealousy and selfish ambition, it does not originate with God, but it comes from the world, the flesh, and the devil. He says that it is earthly, sensual, and demonic. I have talked about this uh, before, several ways that our struggle, right, is in these three realms. <laughs> we struggle with the world, the flesh, and the devil. And all three of these uh, realms uh, comes with its own set of principles, its own wisdom. So number one, if we talk about earthly wisdom, wisdom that comes from the world, right? Remember that Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 19, that the wisdom of this world, right, is foolishness to God. The wisdom of this world is foolishness to God. There is a wisdom of the world that seems to make sense. But to God, this wisdom is foolish. I was trying to think of an example, and the only example I came up with, I know, you know, I probably shouldn't use it, but hey, um, it's the wisdom of the world. The wisdom of the world says that killing an unborn child, well, that's just a choice. They'll say, you can't take, my, you can't take that away from me. That's stopping my health care. No, it's, it's called murder. But in the wisdom of the world, it makes sense. There is a wisdom that is sensual it comes from the flesh that it is natural but we must remember that paul says in first corinthians chapter 2 verse 14 that the natural man does not receive the things of the spirit of god because they are foolishness to him now notice paul says in first corinthians chapter 3 that the wisdom of the world is foolishness to god and then he goes on to say <laughs> that According to us, God's wisdom is foolishness. The foolishness of the flesh is based on our feelings, our desires, our impulses. And so we hear people say, if it feels good, it must be good. This wisdom is rooted in our senses. And so if our senses say it's okay, then it must be okay. The third type of wisdom that James addresses, he says, is demonic. This is wisdom coming straight from the devil, of which all of these can be seen as being from the devil. Paul says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 2, he says that we all walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. Satan is the ruler of this world. And therefore, Satan's wisdom is what reigns. And Satan's wisdom is simply this. It can be found in what he said to Adam and Eve. You can be your own God. 
Isn't that the root of what he said to Adam and Eve? Has God really said this? God knows that in the day you eat of this, right, you will be just like him, knowing good and evil. You can determine what's right and wrong for yourself. You can be your own God. That's demonic wisdom. I think that it is difficult for us to know whether or not we have accepted the wisdom that comes from above, that comes from God, or the wisdom that comes from the earth, from the flesh, the world, the flesh, and the devil. Sometimes we think that uh, we are walking in the wisdom of the Lord when in truth we are really walking in the wisdom that comes from the world, the flesh, and the devil. I think that James gives us another way to tell whether or not we possess godly wisdom or earthly wisdom. In verse 16, he says, For where envy and self-seeking or self, um, selfish ambition exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. Where there is jealousy and selfish ambition, there is confusion and every evil thing. So let's ask ourselves this question. As we apply what we know to every area of life, right, are we experiencing jealousy and selfish ambition? Most of, no, you know, I'm just driven. You know, I got a vision I'm trying to accomplish, okay? Okay, so while you are driven and trying to accomplish that vision, um, is there instability? Because this is, what the, word this word is what, the, what the word confusion is. Is there instability in your life? Is there disorder in your life? Is there disarray in your life? Is there rebellion in your life? Is there anarchy in your life? Confusion, instability, disorder, disarray, rebellion, anarchy. If so, you're being driven and following your dreams, that's really just jealousy and selfish ambition, according to James. <laughs> and you are following wisdom that is the result of the world, the flesh, and the devil. He says not only is there confusion, instability, disorder, disarray, rebellion, and anarchy, he says that every evil thing, everything that is worthless, vile, contemptible, sinful, right, that's how you know that you're walking in wisdom that comes from the world of flesh and the devil. Now, on the contrary, okay, so uh, he starts off, follow the, if you go back to my outline, he starts off, he asks, who is truly wise and understanding? He goes to talking about the person who has true wisdom. Then he begins to talk about the person who has false wisdom. Now, he's going to tell us what 
the life of the person who possesses truly godly wisdom looks like. Okay. If you are possessing wisdom that comes from God, if you are truly understanding how to take what you learn in the Bible and effectively apply it to every area of your life, he says, verse 17, the wisdom that comes from above is first pure. It, it, it's, it's holy. Right? Are, are you progressively growing in holiness? Not perfection, but growing in holiness. Is your life being less and less characterized by the sin that it used to be characterized by? Number two, is your life characterized by peace? Or is there always conflict? Always fighting with somebody. Fights on the job. Fights at church. Fight at home. Fight at the family reunion. Fight at the supermarket, right? <laughs> right. Number three, gentleness. Now, this word gentleness here is actually a different uh, Greek word than the word for gentleness and meekness that we found up in verse 14. This word means to be equitable, to be fair, to be courteous, to be considerate. Are you a person that focuses on equality? Are you a fair person? Are you courteous and considerate to others? Number four, are you full of mercy? Number five, are you full of good works? (laughs) Number six, are you a person that shows favoritism or are you impartial? Number seven, are you a hypocrite? (laughs) <laughs> reminds me excuse me of um <laughs> of when we uh because somebody like yeah i got good works i got this and this. is it fake <laughs> when i when i was in uh seminary i don't know why this came to mind we had this i thought we talked about this in bible study how we had a a, a group of us uh, in a class on personal discipleship and uh, we had to hold one another accountable. We had uh, groups of, 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 of one another in the dorm where we had to be accountable to one another. And, and so, um, the, you know, any person in the group could just walk into your room any day of the week and be like, show me your Internet history. Okay. And so the teacher would give us like a list of questions that we have to answer. You know, have you been sexually immoral? Have you looked at pornography? Have you done this, 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 this? this? Last question has always was always... Have you lied to me about any of the questions that I've just asked you? Okay. <laughs> okay. Like, uh, uh. You know. So, are you holy, peaceful, equitable, and fair? Are you, are you, I skip, willing to yield? Missed that one, right? Willing to yield means reasonable, teachable, compliant, not stubborn, full of mercy, good works, impartial. Are you hypocrite? Are you just doing these things so that people can look at you on the outside and think you're spiritual, but on the inside, you're really not that way? Right. Because if these, this second set of 
characteristics characterize your life, right? And, and all of us, again, we're never going to be 100%, right? We're going we're gonna, to, you know, fluctuate up and down in these different characteristics. But, but if these things characterize your life, then you know that you're on the right path of walking in wisdom that comes from God. Is everyone with me? James's last statement in verse 18 is this. Now the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. John MacArthur says that there is a causal link between godly wisdom, genuine righteousness, and peace. There is a causal link between godly wisdom, genuine righteousness, and peace. Those people who are seeking wisdom from God, working on applying what they know effectively to every area of their lives, right? Those people who are walking in wisdom, right? We already saw that that is the fear of the Lord. Right? Those people will be characterized by righteousness, being conformed to what pleases God. And as we live out the, a life of wisdom and our lives are more and more characterized by righteousness, what we will find is that we will be more at peace. Peace in our hearts and minds, peace with God, peace with one another. But I think that the opposite can also be true, right? That those people who exercise the wisdom that comes from the world, the flesh, and the devil, those people will have less righteousness, they will be less conformed to the image, uh, um, to, the, to God's standard, and they'll always be in conflict. Conflict in their hearts and minds. Never at peace. Always thinking that there's, God must be upset with me. There's some, God, you know, if God was, was, was for me, I wouldn't be going through this. Always suspect of God conflict with, with, with other people, interpersonal conflict, always going on. He says that the fruit of righteousness, right, is sown in peace by those who make peace. You want to be at peace, James's point is, it starts with godly wisdom. It starts with accepting life the way God says it should be lived and living according to his plan, his principle, his commands, his will. And as you begin to live life like that, you'll see life smooth out and there'll be less conflicts, less problems, right? You won't, there will be still be the test, all right? All right. Don't think like, oh yeah, we can get around James chapter 1. In James chapter 3. <laughs> like, no, no. You, you, will, you will be tested. <laughs> but as you go through the test, you will remain at peace. So the question 
Am I a wise Christian? Right. The way that we know the answer to that question is the way we live our lives. And the truth is, the answer will be for all of us. Sometimes. <laughs> sometimes I'm a wise Christian and we can tell by the characteristics on one side. <laughs> and and other times we're not being wise because we're adopting the wisdom of the world, the flesh and the devil. Now, I want to end here. Right. We'll pick back up in uh, with James chapter four. Next week, um, he takes this idea um, of of being at peace. Right. Um, because you are exercising godly wisdom and he carries it forward into chapter four. In chapter four, he starts with a question. Where does war and fights come from? Where do wars and fights come from? <laughs> okay. Okay. But all of this is set in the context of godly wisdom. Right? If you are a person that is characterized by godly wisdom, right? You are a person of peace. Someone even in the middle of conflict that is trying to make peace. But if you are characterized by false wisdom that comes from the world, the flesh, and the devil, okay, he says that your motivation is jealousy and selfish ambition, focused only on yourself, trying to get your own needs met, and not caring about putting the needs of others first. And so we'll see how this all plays out when we look next week at James chapter four, right, when he talks about where wars and conflicts come from. And we will see that war and conflict is the result of adopting wisdom that comes from the world, the flesh and the devil as rooted in our own selfish ambition, trying to meet our own needs without caring for others. Father, we thank you today for allowing us to look at this test, this test of true wisdom. It is your desire, Lord, that all of your children will be skilled at living righteously, that we would be able to apply what we know in Scripture to every single circumstance in life, that even in the midst of conflicts or tests or pain, we will be able to pick the right things out of your word so that we could live righteously in accordance with your plan and with your will. Lord, I pray that you would work on us because the truth is that at times all of us adopt the wisdom that comes from the world, the flesh, and the devil. Because it seems like that wisdom is so much easier at times. Lord, I pray that you would continue to work in our hearts. I pray that you would root out jealousy and selfish ambition. Help us to put on the mind of Christ, a mind that is humble and lowly, seeking to put first the needs of others. I pray, Lord, that you would help us to adopt godly wisdom but in order to do that we first must fear you and trust you 
and recognize that you know best on how to live this life. For that, again, we need humility and lowliness of mind. We pray, Lord, that as you continue to work in each one of us, Lord, that you would show us the places where we're not operating in godly wisdom. And I pray, Lord, that as you convict us and and work on us through your spirit, that our lives will be more and more characterized by righteousness and peace. Because it's when our lives are characterized by your wisdom, your righteousness, and your peace, that we will find ourselves in less conflict with one another. We thank you now for your grace and for your mercy and for all the work that you're doing in each of us, Lord. We thank you that you started the work and you are going to keep on working until we look more and more like your son. We thank you now. In the precious name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Let us prepare ourselves to
you must fake it until you make it. Now, I use that phrase uh, kind of facetiously um, because <laughs> I tell people, you have to do what you know is right even if you don't feel like doing it. And I repeatedly get this phrase, oh, you saying I need to fake it till I make it? I ain't fake. I don't want to do something just because I know it's right. I want to do it because I feel it. And I'm like, you don't want to be spiritually mature. <laughs> hey, look. When I didn't want to give, right, I'll I, I tell you, like, you know, struggling. We have kids. Janita doesn't work. I'm working two jobs. And I'll go to church. And I hear God say clearly, I preached. They take up an offering. I'm like, all right, I could buy some diapers or something. And I hear the Lord say, give it back. I'd be like, Lord, was that you? I don't think I heard the Lord clearly. I'm like, Janita, do you, you know, I heard this. What do you think, Janita? <laughs> all right. So what did I have to start doing? It wasn't in my heart. I needed diapers. You know, I, need, I needed stuff for the kids. So what did I start doing, in, intentionally doing? Just giving, just giving. Up, oh, that, that's from the Lord. I'll be sitting there sometimes about to go write an offering check for either, either my, my, um, the, um, my, the old, my old church or if I'm at another church. And, and I'm like, oh, okay, I, I know I'm, I'm going to give. I give a certain amount every time I go somewhere. And then I hear a number, and I'm like, <laughs> I'll be like, and I'm like, that's got to be the Lord. I'm like, oh, I'm going to get in trouble with Janita. <laughs> just write the check and just give it. <laughs> right? And I sleep on the couch later. Right? So you you start start giving. So now giving is a part of my nature. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't even think about it. It doesn't even matter the amount. Just it all belongs to him anyway. People, they can, you know, they can, you know, get on your nerves sometimes, you know. But I practice, you know what, the people who, who bother me the most, those are the ones I'm, I'm going to give my attention to, I'm going to help with, I'm going to give to them. I'm I'm and so I start treating people who don't treat me the way I want to be treated, I start treating them with extra grace. So now it's, it's easy to love my enemies. Because when I didn't want to, I kept doing what I knew was right until it became my desire. So, so you find the thing that you don't want to do. And you keep practicing that thing over and over. If you want, ah, I don't feel like being fake. Be fake. Fake it till you make it. When, when God says love your enemies, I don't want to. Do it anyway. Put a little extra on it. <laughs> All right, God said, man, he said, bottom a loaf of bread. Bottom two. <laughs> Start doing what you know is right, even though you don't feel like it, and eventually you will start seeing that you love to do it because the Holy Spirit will change your desire to love doing those things because it is him 
working in you to produce his character and the things that he desires. And if we consistently do these things over and over and over again, eventually you'll be able to look back and say, wow, I, when did my heart change? When did my desire change? I don't, I don't even want to do those. I don't even, why, would I, why would I even think about doing that stuff before? You will see that you have changed and won't even know it. But it's going to take recognizing that your heart is sick. It's going to recognizing that you can't fix yourself. Recognizing that you need the gospel every single day. Praying and asking the Holy Spirit to change your heart and mind and desires. Consistently practicing the spiritual disciplines every day single day not every single one every day but every day try to do something right well even if it's meditation or scripture studying or whatever and then the desires the the actions that you don't want to do do it anyway and what you'll see is that god will honor your 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 initial small desire to do the right thing and he'll have that grow by changing your heart Let's pray. Father, we thank you today for allowing us to come together again. I pray, Lord, that you would continue to work in each of our hearts. Lord, help us to see that just because we are saved, that doesn't mean that we are any different than the day that we were saved. Apart from you, we will still be dead in our trespasses and sins. It is only because of your spirit that we can do the little bit of good things that we do to please you. And so, Lord, I pray that you would help us to rely on you every single day. Help us every single day to preach the gospel to ourselves, helping us to see that we still fall and we still sin, but you have an abundance of grace for sinners. And if we would just come to you, and ask for, for forgiveness and come to your throne. We can find grace and help in our time of need, as we see in Hebrews chapter 4. I pray, Lord, that you would help us to rely on you, talk to you, pray and ask you to change us, but also help us to do our part. The truth is, all of us, including myself, Lord, we are way too spiritually lazy. So we need to discipline ourselves for godliness, as Paul says. Help us to, to buffet our bodies, to discipline our bodies through the disciplines that we just discussed. And I pray, Lord, that as we consistently practice these things, Lord, we will continue to see more and more growth in righteousness and in holiness. We pray even now, Lord, that you would change our hearts and desires. We thank you that you have given us a new heart the moment we were saved. But Lord, we allow even that new heart to start being crusted over with hardness because of our sin. We pray by your spirit that you would begin to peel back all of the layers of, of hardness that we have allowed over the years in our spiritual life. 
and allow us to have a soft, tender heart towards you again. Lord, I pray that as we practice these spiritual disciplines and walk in the spirit, Lord, that you'll allow us to see the growth and spiritual maturity that we desire so that we can please you in all things. We thank you now for all these blessings in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.